Men call him Doctor Strange, and you have never known his like. It is a great pleasure and privilege for the editors of Strange Tales to present, quietly and without fanfare, the first of a new series based on a different kind of superhero, Doctor Strange, Master of Black Magic. My name is Conrad, and welcome to the 20th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Doctor Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. Unfortunately, this episode, due to things beyond my control, will have to be shortened, and will only be Stranger by the Third Dozen. We'll do four issues this week and the other eight next week, and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled Stranger by the Dozen full size. I apologize for the shortness of this week's episode. It was unavoidable, but I hope you enjoy these issues. You can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, that's strangerbythe12, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. Let's get right to the issues with Defenders 83 from May 1980. End of the Tunnel. Ed Hannigan writer, Don Perlin layout, Joe Sinnott finishes, John Costanzo letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So this is a pretty action-packed issue, actually. Uh, as you'll recall, Doctor Strange, Namor, and the Hulk are in Tunnel World, an alternate dimension. Uh, tunnel-shaped sun on one side, frozen caves on the other, I guess. Um, the three original Defenders have just defeated the evil, buzzer-headed wizard, Y-Titnedian. And now it's time to pick up the pieces and figure out where to go from there. Also, in the human world... Uh, the female defenders, with some help from Yellow Jacket, have just defeated the evil Mandrill, his Femme Force, and the mutant mercenaries' mutant force. And Kyle Richmond, aka the Nighthawk, is in the midst of being sued by the federal government to prevent him from being a superhero any further. Alright? Got it. <laughs> so we start this issue with Doctor Strange returning to his body following the triumph over the evil wizard Y-Titnidian, last issue. He then moves into the castle to find the, e the uh, good wizard, Zooks, dead. No! Zooks! Also, uh, the Hulk is still trapped in a giant crystal ball with the name of the evil being the unnamed in his head. It's bummers all around. The next day, in front of the castle... Aroika, the orange-skinned chosen one of the winged-headed people, uh, comes forth and declares the tyrant White Titanidian, or de declares White Titanidian overthrown to mixed reviews from the townsfolk. The heroes now plan the final stage of the destruction of the of the unnamed and the burying of Zooks's body. I know this is all. I'm sure if you did, if you haven't heard last week's episode, it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand having been part of last week's episode. I assure you, this is confusing stuff. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on Earth, the evil mutant force has signed a plea deal with the government. Hellcat and Valkyrie go shopping and foil a bank robbery. 
where Hellcat learns she can use her powers even when not in costume, which seems obvious to me, but she needed some time to pick up, I don't know. And Kyle Richmond gets yelled at by his lawyer for superheroing, though both wonder why this superhero incident hasn't been has been hushed up by the press, and they assume that there's something weird going on at the airbase next uh, last week. Anyway, back in Tunnel World, the good guys, along with the Hulk and a Crystal Ball and the captured Whitechipnidian, have made their way to the backside of Tunnel World to a bunch of frozen caves. It's so cold that even Namor remarks on it, but it's not so cold that he wears anything heavier than his Speedo. Anyway, this is where the unnamed's power is greatest, and it's the best place to bury the body of Zooks, Tunnel World's greatest defender. But once they arrive, a huge storm kicks up, Y-Titnidian gets free, and it's a huge battle. Doctor Strange teleports Y-Titnidian, Eroica, Namor, and himself inside the Crystal Ball with the Hulk, so they can duke it out without the interference from the storm. Inside the ball, Eroica can fly with the, heads on his, with the wings on his head. Hooray! But the Hulk is also somehow small and alive in the ball with them, and still being controlled by the evil forces of the unnamed, who, so he grabs Whitechidian and flies off. However, as well as the mini-Hulk manifesting inside the ball, there's also a full-sized Hulk standing like a mountain on the horizon. The three heroes decide to ignore mini-Hulk and Whitechidian and fly through the big Hulk's eye, and into his brain. In the Hulk's brain, they find another world. This one, populated by classic Hulk foes like Rhino, Absorbing Man, and The Leader, among others. It's a big, multi-sided brawl that eventually also includes Mini-Hulk and Whitechipnidian again, and as well as some excellent Namor vs. Hulk fighting. But the whole thing's weird, right? Like, the Hulk is appearing inside his own mind? This gives Doctor Strange a plan. He focuses in on himself, phasing through realms of unreality as the image of a comic breaks and goes negative, eventually finding himself inside the Hulk's brain, like physically with neurons and synapses and stuff. Doctor Strange uses his magic to find the synapse that holds the information about the unnameable's name and does magical surgery on it, sealing the name inside the Hulk's brain where it will be isolated from the rest of the world forever. Or, you know, at least until some 36 years later when a jerk with a bow and arrow kills the Hulk, and presumably the name will be freed as the Hulk's body decays? I don't know. Hit me up, Marvel. I have story ideas. Anyway, the name is sealed, and even Whitechipnidian can't remember it. Distraught, he throws himself into the void at the back of the cavern, disappearing forever. And that's it for Tunnel World. The heroes walk off into the sunset, the Hulk throwing away his evil leader clothes. Hooray! So just so everyone knows, it seemed confusing to me, and I did to everyone else who read this storyline. It ran for over 14 months, and in real time, the readers hated the story. Super duper hated it. To the point where, in the letters column for the next issue, the editors of the comic wrote this. Hey, aren't you glad that Tunnel World stuff is over? Sure, it was great fun for a while, but the whole thing did get out of hand. Well, before Marvel and Assembles takes pen to hand to say never again, consider, it's not every day someone writes a story where the villain is never seen, says not a word, and whose very name is kept secret, and there never will be again. 
they completely disavow all the concepts of the storyline. <laughs> the next issue features letters for people saying how horrible the story is. It's pretty nuts. Also, in this issue, uh, noted Doctor Strange fan Catherine Ironwood gives a page-by-page -page breakdown of why the Omega the Unknown stuff in, in Defender 77 is wrong. It's like a takedown blog post, but in a 1980s comic book letter program. Anyway, go to hell, Tunnel World. No one likes you. <laughs> Let's move on to Defenders 84 from June 1980. Battle Royal. Written by Ed Hannigan. Breakdowns by Don Perlin. Finished by Tex Blaisdale. Lettered by Diana Albers. Colored by George Russos. Edited by Al Milgram. Jim Shooter. Imperious Rex. And yes, for the record, that's Battle Royal, not Royale. There's no E on the end, so whatever. It's party time in Atlantis as this issue starts, as everyone celebrates the victory over the unnamed. Though Namor is melancholy, because one, he's Namor, and two, no one really understands in it what they're celebrating because that storyline is so weird. And that's a valid thing to be melancholy about. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange and Namor look in on the Hulk, who's still recovering from the impromptu brain surgery of last issue, and then split up. Doctor Strange goes back to the Sanctum, and Namor is hanging out in Atlantis to do some actual printing around the place, instead of just heading out on adventures. So we smash cut to Kyber Island, a tiny protectorate of the nation of Wakanda, where Atlantis dudes in a fancy submarine are doing an illicit deal with Wakandan dudes in a flying car. These Wakandans are selling black market technology to official Atlantean representatives. But it's all broken up by the Black Panther and Wakanda's elite commando forces. The Atlanteans flee rather than be arrested by the Wakandans, and Black Panther gives chase eventually being uh, captured by Atlantean defenses. It's an international incident! Meanwhile, Bruce Banner wakes up and starts freaking out, being sedated by Atlantean physicians seconds before he can turn into the Hulk. At the same time, at the Sanctum Sanctorum, Doctor Strange arrives home to find Clea, Valkyrie, and Hellcat discussing reforming the Defenders officially. Hooray! Back at the dock in Atlantis, Namor and Black Panther confront each other. Both start out trying to be reasonable, though Black Panther demands the Atlanteans that, under official Atlantean military orders, were trying to buy black market technology from the Wakandans. Namor is unable to do this without losing face in front of his military leaders, and so refuses, and so things escalate quickly. The two end up fighting, and Black Panther has to die hard his way through the air ducts it and deep into Atlantis. Eventually, Black Panther finds the sleeping Bruce Banner, slaps him awake, and is able to make his escape under cover of Hulk. So, it's an international incident! Tensions are high between the world's two most powerful sci-fi nations, both of which are nuclear powers. We get a quick... Jimmy Carter cameo as the world reacts. Eventually, the Hulk, who passed out during the fight, comes to and decides to leave Atlantis. He does so by super jumping from the ocean floor out to above the sea. He does so with such force that the Wakandans think it's a missile launch, 
and retaliate with their own nuke. Oh my gosh! Global thermonuclear war! Black Panther uh, figures out what is going on and warns Namor in time. Namor is able to fly out and intercept the missile and drag it away from Atlantis, eventually causing it to strike Kyber Island, where all of this started. World War III is is averted, but both heroes know they'll likely clash again. And so we go to Defenders 85 from July 1980. Like a proud Black Panther, Ed Hannigan writer, Don Perlin and Jim Moody artists, lettered by Diana Albers, colored by George Russos, edited by Al Milgram, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So following the nuclear strike last issue, a bunch of protesters have gathered outside the Wakandan consulate in New York City, protesting with a general theme of no nukes in Africa. Uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, is expected to arrive at the consulate today, and Hellcat, Patsy Walker, is waiting for him to show up. She has learned that Mandrill wasn't involved in smuggling with Wakandan technology and needs to tell him about it. She infiltrates the consulate poorly, running afoul of S.H.I.E.L.D., Wakandan security, and the NYPD. Only the fact that Black Panther and Hellcat were Avengers together keeps her from getting arrested or worse. At the same time, Kyle Richmond and his lawyer are going over his financial documents and... Well, uh, meanwhile, uh, the Hulk is swimming home, having and has been for a couple days. He's almost too tired to be angry. Eventually, Namor offers the Green Giant a ride to New York City, and the Hulk accepts. But when Namor and a de-hulked Bruce Banner arrive at the Sanctum Sanctorum, they find Black Panther there, plotting with the Defenders to take down Mandrill. The two kings have a war of words. And while Black Panther tries to cool things down, Namor goes full Namor and storms off. Anyhow, using various intelligence sources, the Defenders have determined there's a meeting to sell stolen Wakandan technology going down in New Jersey that very night. And Black Panther, along with Clea, Valkyrie, Hellcat, and Aragorn the Pegasus, head out to stop it. They meet the smuggler plane as it lands, and it's fight time. Things go pretty well. Uh, the bad guys are all Mandrill's Femme Force Lady Foot Soldiers. So Valkyrie, instead of fighting, disables the plane on the ground, cutting its wings off and stuff, because she's unable to fight female opponents because of her oath as a Valkyrie. It's, it's a whole thing. Black Panther goes to investigate the plane, but ha- as he enters the hole, the hold, purple robot tentacles grab him as Mandrill appears on a view screen to gloat. It's a trap! The plane takes off with hidden hover engines, with Hellcat jumping aboard the last minute. And then the plane begins to fly like a missile to the massive propane storage tanks in eastern New Jersey. All seems lost when Doctor Strange and Hulk teleport in at the last minute, Hulk punching the plane into a nearby ocean. Hellcat tries to disarm a time bomb aboard the plane, but is unable to, and all the defenders have to do the classic run-away-from-the-bomb-as-it-explodes move, though they're underwater, so it's swim-away. Mandrill swears revenge as Hellcat and Black Panther do some cat-themed New York City sky-swinging. And we'll end tonight's shortened episode with Defenders 86 from August 1980, The Left Hand of Silence. 
Ed Hannigan writer, Don Perlin penciler, Pablo Marcos inker, Michael Higgins letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. It's sunrise in New York City, and Valkyrie and Aragorn are on the hunt for, te- for Wakandan technology. Val flies around with a vibranium detector and laments her current state as a mythological being inhabiting the body of an Earthwoman, although the Earthwoman's soul or consciousness has been removed and entombed in Valhalla along with Val's original body. It's Valkyrie backstory and better not to get into it. Or, I don't know, maybe actually we should talk about it because the next scene shifts to Kyle Richmond, his lawyer suggesting a plea bargain, and Kyle says no. Then Black Panther and Hellcat show up. Hooray! It turns out that the big technology that was stolen from Black Panther is a pink device that looks like the stovetop of an electric range or a spirograph or something like that. Or actually, maybe a space spinner. Hey, check out Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, and other fine podcast apps. Uh, but this device can deaden all noise within an area, creating a zone of complete silence. It also apparently stores the noise up and can convert it into energy, which will solve the energy crisis forever. No, it won't. Meanwhile, at an embassy of an Eastern nation, quote-unquote, an ambassador with a cute little dog tries to sell one of these space spinners to an obvious spy. The spy uses the device to cut off all sound around him, which allows him to kill the ambassador and escape in silence. But on the street, he gets hit by a bus because he couldn't hear the bus coming. Uh, What follows is this, throughout the whole comic. Uh, Valkyrie and Bruce Banner go out to see a movie to relax. Mandrill swears revenge from his babe-filled evil estate. And Hellcat and Black Panther follow the course of the space spinner as it travels through New York, causing various sound-free disasters. From the run-over spy, the device is picked up by a cab driver, who uses it to get a restful night's sleep in his tenement. But he smokes as he sleeps, so and his cigarette sets the building on fire, and no one can hear any alarms or anything because of the zone of silence. The space spinner then goes to a lady who uses it to make the dudes on the subway blasting disco music on their boombox, uh, Bad Girls by Donna Summer, FYI, not be so loud. But this quiet on the subway causes a homeless man who hears voices in his head to finally hear the voices clearly. And he starts a great riot inside the cone of silence. The riot eventually spills into the theater where Hulk and Valkyrie are watching the movie. People freak out and bannered hoaxes out. There's a bunch of action-packed sound effect and word bubble three panels as finally Hellcat and Black Panther catch up to the space spinner. Black Panther goads the Hulk into making more and more noise until Hellcat, who's finally found the device, releases the sound energy inside, blowing out the contraption. Threat over. Uh, The Hulk is pissed and jumps away, and then those glory boys from the Fantastic Four show up to break up the riot and help clear up the the destruction. Those guys suck. Anyhow, and as we shake our fists 
at those spotlight stealers. We end our show for tonight. Again, I apologize for the shortness of the show, but I encourage you to come back next week when we'll see Doctor Strange team up with both Spider-Man and then the X-Men as they go through hell. Also, there'll be some truly fantastic uh, solo Doctor Strange stories from Marvel Fanfare. We'll see the end of Ed Hannigan's fun run as writer of the Defenders with all of our current plot lines being finally wrapped up and begin a new era in Defenders action as Eternity once again returns to the pages of the podcast. Until then, if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen, Twitter at strangerbythetwelve, and on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from the issues covered this week, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcasting app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I will read it on the show. Until then, faithful listener, I say, once he was a man like most others, a worldly man, seduced and jaded by material things. But then he discovered the separate reality, where sorcery and men's souls shape the forces that shape our lives. In that instant, he was born again to become a man like no other, a man who left us behind as he strove to stand against unseen subtle perils hovering thick and black around our fragile existence. And so began the mystic majesty of Doctor Strange. My name is Conrad. This is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.